I hope you enjoy the upcoming content that we'll have for you on today's episode. I think you'll get quite a bit out of it. And know that today's episode is brought to you by the Swim Master Melody Course at successwithmusic.com. If you are in the songwriting game, if you are in the production game, make sure you understand what it takes to create a melody before you get to mastering and mixing and all that man it all starts with a powerful melody check it out today it is absolutely worth the investment the swim master melody course at successwithmusic.com hey let's get to the show this is swim success with music This is Walt, and I am your music coach, your check one, two teacher, your audio superstore greeter. Hi there. Welcome. Need a card? Let's dive in. All right. So I'm really excited for today's topic. As usual, I hope that you are well. And um, this show is about becoming better as a musician if you happen to be new to the podcast. And again, we're going to get to that in just a moment. For those of you who are just joining us here, I always like to start the show with something fun, something interesting, maybe today, something annoying. You be the judge. Now, if you're listening to the podcast and you're listening to the original near the original release date, you are keenly aware of fidget spinners, right? You know what they are. And who knows, maybe you have one on back order right now as we speak or as I speak. And if you're listening to this podcast, let's say a year away from the release date, please send a message back to the past and let us know. Did the fidget spinner take over the world? Are we all sitting around spinning things on our fingers and our toes? Or was it just a fad that went away really quickly? But with that in mind, you may be wondering why in the world that I uh, (laughs) decide to talk about fidget spinners uh, at the top of the show. Well, as usual, I prep for the show. I look for interesting facts or information that I can bring to you guys. And I happen to stumble across something very interesting on the internet. And that thing is fidget spinner, minimal techno. Yeah, you heard right. Fidget spinner, minimal techno. So in other words, there is music out there, techno music that was created with You guessed it, a a, a fidget spinner. There's a guy named Andrew Wong. Uh, Some of you guys may know him. Uh, He actually created this whole little music segment using fidget spinners and fidget spinners alone. Now, if you're listening to what I'm saying, you, you, you may think I'm being critical of this guy. Actually, I'm not. It was pretty ingenious what he did, and it sounded pretty sweet, to to be honest. So when it comes to your next performance, uh, you may consider bringing your fidget spinners, mic them up, throw some distortion on it, uh, maybe auto tune them. I don't know. But the point being is that uh, people can sometimes take anything and create music. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Look him up again. His name is Andrew Wong. Uh, His last name is spelled H-U-A-N-G. Check it out. 
All right, so let's shift gears and talk about the main subject for today. And I want to start our subject off by talking about a conversation uh, I, I was having with some of my band members. So one of the bass players in our band, Tony, is a beast. I feel like this guy is a, a near virtuoso when it comes to playing the bass. I am constantly wow, wowed at his skill uh, playing his instrument. So a while back, a few of us were hanging out at his place and the topic of performance came up and we all talked about the, uh, the cool <laughs> and not so cool, you know, riffs and, uh, progressions we've made while, you know, performing together as musicians do, we started to talk about, wouldn't it be crazy scenarios? And, and you've probably done this before. So you, you were sitting around with your, you know, music, uh, music friends and you start talking about, wouldn't it be crazy? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. So like, wouldn't it be crazy if I opened up, up the show with like a crazy solo? Wouldn't it be crazy if I dropped from the ceiling on some bungee wire? Wouldn't it be crazy if I played the whole set underwater? That type of stuff. Right. So anyhow, two of the singers chimed in and wondered. What would happen if they tried to go with a certain harmony on a song that we typically play and they're saying, hey, wouldn't it be crazy if we tried, you know, this type of harmony at this part of the song? And then the other singer was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we should try that next time. Then Tony, the bass player, he said something simple yet profound. He says, I always know how things will turn out on stage. I never try stuff live that I did not practice beforehand. Everything you hear me do, everything you hear me do, I've done it like a million times while practicing at home. So the point was, he was basically shutting everyone down saying, hey, don't go up on stage and just try some new harmony. You should practice that thing a billion times before you get onto the stage so you would know exactly how it would turn out instead of saying, well, wouldn't it be cool? You will know exactly if it's cool if you actually do the practice beforehand. Funny thing about Tony, the licks that he plays on the bass are crazy complex and ornate. And the average person may be led to believe that it's just something that he kind of stumbled across while playing. So it's kind of like improv. We'll have our, our typical progressions in the song, but he'll throw a quick lick in there or a quick transition uh, piece. And it's completely crazy. And for the average listener, you would think that it was a lucky mistake. But the truth is, no, it was done with forethought. Going back to Tony's statement, he never plays anything on stage without first knowing it will work prior to the event. So I want to take that and move into our topic today. We're going to talk about something called deep practice. And again, it's called deep practice. Deep practice is incredibly important if you want to get your music playing and your performance abilities to interplanetary levels. I mean, if you want to be absolutely flawless in your playing, this form of practice is something that you, you have to engage in. As the name suggests, deep practice goes well beyond casually playing a few familiar songs and singing a few easy to grab notes. Deep practice is all about pushing your musical skill to the very edge and not letting up until you force your muscle memory to grab onto something completely and totally new. Now, when I say push yourself to the edge, I mean the edge of your musical ability. 
to the place where you're constantly messing up on something you barely know how to do. That's really important. So an example of this would be, let's say, a vocalist who goes to that very top note in your register. Don't just kind of hit that note, but hit it with clarity. If you're instrumentalist, for you, you may push for precision on every single note played. I mean, no sliding around, no muddying the notes and just trying to gloss over things. I mean, you're playing each and every single note with precision and in the prop and with the proper rhythm. And I'm talking about playing in such a way where it sounds like it's computerized. Now, if you are a lyricist, for you, this means you're going to push your writing skills to new levels. Don't bail out on your songwriting with cheap rhyming, as an example. And you know what I'm talking about. Let's say um, you're writing a song like, um, you are the one that I love. Um, <laughs> uh, no one is ever above. Uh, no, you are my dove. And I think we've <laughs> I think we've all done that writing song. Stop taking the cheap way out. Don't do this. Push for more creativity in your writing. Force yourself to use words in a fresh, in a new, fresh way. Now, remember, don't go too crazy with this. And if, if and if you don't know what I'm talking about, please refer to the songwriting episode of our podcast here. The point is, as a writer, you want to push yourself well beyond the comfort zone. So again, deep practice is more than doing what you do well. That's really critical. Deep practice is, is going way further than what you can already do. It's doing what you can barely do. Please get that. Deep practice is about doing something that you can barely do. Now, the, the, the concept of deep practice is all around us. Let's take a step away from music just for a second and talk about an example that we can see just about everywhere all over the world. In my opinion, you see this a lot in the world of sports. You can see it with basketball, football, track and field, swimming, you name it. So let me give you some examples. Have you seen a basketball player going through dribbling exercises? I've even seen guys use two hands dribbling at the same time during a warm-up exercise. Why in the world would a basketball player dribble two balls at the same time during practice? Is that something he's ever going to use in a real game? And most of you already know, in the game of basketball, there will never be two balls on the court in a real game. Why in the world will, would a guy practice with two balls for warmups? It's something that seems on the outside impractical. I'll give you another example. Have you seen uh, boxers? Think about the movie Rocky, right? You see a guy running and running and running. He's running through the city. He's running miles. He's running miles. Well, this is not track and field. Why in the world would a boxer spend time running miles and miles and miles at a time? I've also seen this with tennis and other sports swimming on and on and on and on. You see some of these athletes doing things that are completely outside of what they would do uh, during their regular competitions, or they're doing things that would be very impractical during a competition. They are actually going through deep practice. I want to point something out to you that you've seen with some of these athletes. 
in my example just a moment ago, I mentioned uh, a basketball player dribbling two balls. And you'll see that they'll work on that one exercise and they'll just keep doing it over and over and over again. Or you may have someone training and they're jumping rope and they're just jumping rope and they're jumping rope. Or you may have someone lifting weights and doing a particular type of exercise. But if you've ever paid attention to these athletes, a lot of times they will take one skill or one thing and they will do that one little piece over and over and over again. And that's what I want to focus on for our deep practice discussion. As a musician, you can actually become far better overall if you take individual musical skills and just work on one at a time. So let's say you're a pianist. One thing I would have you do, and you can apply this to any instrument or you can apply this to vocals, but I would have you sit down and focus on one scale. And I would have you play that one scale over and over and over again. Now, let's say you're pretty proficient at that scale. Let's say it's C major scale. Then I would say, hey, how how are you with the with B major scale? Uh, well, I'm not as proficient as C major scale. Great. Let's now then go to B major scale. Both hands. Let's play it. I'll have you go up. I'll have you go down, up, down. And then I'll ask you to increase the speed and increase the speed. And I want you to do it as fast as you can until you start to stumble on some of the notes or the notes are not clear or you're out of rhythm or what have you. And then that is kind of our edge point. Now, typically what musicians will do is they'll stop and say, oh, wow, you know, that was tough. That was hard. And they'll walk away from it. And what what I'm asking you to do in deep practice is not stop. Go back to that breaking point. Start at that speed, at that pace again and go for it. The point of everything that I'm telling you is that you need to put yourself right on the edge of messing up, right on the edge where you feel that you're getting frustrated. And that may sound a little counterintuitive. Um, it may not make sense, but that is where the growth for you as a musician that occurs. And if I were you, I would tell you to do that same thing. Keep pushing yourself and maybe just do it for 15 minutes. Just that one scale. Now, for those that may be in your house or living with you, that that may be kind of annoying. For you, it may be annoying. You may want to go on and play something that you're more adept at playing and sounds more better. But again, just doing that one thing. Think about that basketball player or think about that person jumping rope or think about that guy just running and running and running. The, the, The sports analogy I'm going back to. You're doing this one little piece because that one piece becomes a building block. Now, some of you may say, well, well, that's great and all, but I will ne- I would never play <laughs> a scale like that in my song. I don't use it. That's not my style. But again, you're using this as a building block. So th- that is where deep practice is really, it really shines. So I'm going to keep going back to this basketball example. The guy that's dribbling two balls down the court. What is the point of that? Again, it will never be done in a real game. So let me put it another way. You are forcing your mind and your muscles to do something that you most likely would never do in reality. So you're almost doing, you're almost putting yourself in a near impossible situation. But when the realistic situation shows up, you'll be far more adept at doing it. So with the basketball player, 
when he's out there dribbling two balls, that's really, really, really tough. Your mind has to coordinate both the left and the right hand moving around and what have you. If you force yourself to that high level during a game when you're maybe switching between the two hands, it's uh, an easier task by in comparison. Have you ever seen guys wear or gals wear like a weighted belt or ankle weights or a weighted vest where they actually put on more pounds, you know, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds. Sometimes you'll see this even in the military. They will have guys um, put all this weight on and they have them do exercises or drills with all of this weight. And then once that weight is removed, that same task becomes far easier. But the point being is that when that weight is on, it's tough. It sucks. But again, you're pushing yourself and we're going back to music now. You're pushing yourself to the point to where when you are just playing a regular song, you're far more proficient at doing so if you have pushed yourself to the edge during deep practice. Many of us know Usain Bolt, the Olympic champion in track and field. Imagine if Usain Bolt, his training for the Olympics, all it included was a casual, leisurely walk around his neighborhood. He's walking, he's waving to neighbors, and uh, let's say he does that for an hour. Let's say he casually walks for two hours, three hours. Because of what he does in real life, many of us would be shocked if that was his workout routine. That's because that casual walk does not reflect what he actually has to do on that big stage. So, as you would imagine, his workout routine is most likely very, very grueling, very long. They probably last multiple hours for multiple days. There are probably dietary considerations. There's physical therapy and on and on and on. All just for what we see as one simple run. I'm saying simple run, um, simple for him. And that's the thing. He makes it look look easy. Have you seen some of the Olympic footage or watch the the coverage of uh, him running when he's running and the other guys are there at some point in time while he's running, he makes it look easy to the point where I've heard many commentators commentators say they're wondering if he's even giving 100 percent. He's so fast and he's so far ahead of people as he's doing it. He makes it look easy. All right. So, again, let's bring this back to you as a musician. I've seen musicians sing and play at the same time, which is a skill unto itself. I've seen musicians do completely crazy, crazy runs on their instrument. I've seen vocalists just reach for the sky and it looks like they're not breaking a sweat. And you've seen this as well. They make it look effortless. And that's where the magic is. When a musician can make something incredibly complicated and they just make it look super simple that musician most likely has been involved with deep practice, doing something over and over again to the point where when they're performing, it's as though they're not even using their full capacity. But what you're hearing is absolute perfection. Now, I, I alluded to it just a second ago, but let's talk about the mental side. When you force yourself to do something at a very, very high level, and I'm talking about music right now, but this actually can apply to other areas. But musically, when you push yourself to the very edge and you're making mistakes and you're making mistakes, but you're slowly making progress, what's happening is that your mind is starting to adapt 
a brand new system, a brand new skill. And when you do this, your brain actually creates new neural pathways in order to accomplish that task. So as you mess up, as you mess up, but you keep pushing yourself, your brain is actually forced along with your muscles to adapt to this very, very, very tough situation. And it creates a pathway to where when that thing shows up, it becomes a lot easier with more repetition. So in essence, you're basically forcing yourself into a high level of learning. All right, so let's go ahead and move into our tip of the day. And our tip today will be focused on helping you do what I just mentioned, deep practice. And this tip today is brought to you by me. If you've been listening to the show, you know that I'm a musician and author. I am also a speaker. So if you like for me to appear at your school, college, conference, convention, or workshop, send an email to ask at successwithmusic.com. Ask at successwithmusic.com. My speaking topics include songwriting, music marketing, the jingle and commercial music business, entrepreneurship 101 for musicians, and more. So yeah, invite me out. I would love to participate in your event. Again, send that request to ask at successwithmusic.com. Ask at successwithmusic.com. All right, so for that tip, we've been discussing deep practice. I'm going to give you a few things that you can try in order to help you implement or get started with deep practice. One, you could try playing arpeggios, but play them in an unfamiliar key. Two, you can play your scales backwards, high to low. But again, start with a scale that you're least proficient in. Start with that one first. Play it backwards. Also, your deep practice can include using atypical scales. Let me give you some examples. Minor pentatonic, melodic minor, mixolydian. If you're a vocalist, you can do the same thing. Sing your scale. Sing these types of scales that I recommended. You can, of course, look up other scales, but these may offer the proper challenge for you because, again, we're looking for you to play a scale that you're least familiar with in a key that you're least familiar. This will help push you into that deep practice world. Remember, focus on that one scale, that one key, and just play it, play it, play it, and go faster, faster, faster to the point where you start to stumble. It is at that point where deep practice will give you the biggest results and when you do you will be more successful as a musician you knew that was coming right yo thanks so much for checking me out today remember you can send your questions to ask at successwithmusic.com and also you can invite me to your event by sending me a message to ask at successwithmusic.com Uh, Hey, remember to give me a review and subscribe to the podcast. Review, subscribe, email, those three things. Yo, check you next time. I know there's gotta be a better way for me in this life. That is my dream.